we've been talking about how that faith is a rest. And this is week five. Go back and listen to some of these things because we've learned some great principles on how faith is a rest. And what we mean by rest is when you're walking by faith, when you're living by faith, you're at rest. And what that means is you have made a decision to where you're going to stop trying to do it in your own strength. You're going to stop trying to figure it out because here's the thing, you can't. The plan that God has for you is so wonderful, you can't see it. It, it hasn't entered your mind. Only the Word of God can show it to you. And in order for that to happen, you need the Holy Spirit to bring revelation of the Word. Because we can't, we can memorize a scripture, but we can't see revelation of the Word of God unless He opens the Word. But when the Word is opened, man, light comes. And now it's a lamp to our feet. It's a, it's a light to our path. And so it, it tells us where to go in life. So now we live this life of faith completely dependent upon the Lord. When you walk by faith, you no longer are walking around talking about your mountain in your life. You're talking to your mountain about your God. That's You, you no longer let that which is threatening you intimidate you. See, we're not, we're not on the defense ever. We walk by faith. We're bold as a lion. Why? We're not arrogant. Arrogant is, well, it's all because of me. Boldness is, no, no, it's all because I know him. That's right. right? So all week this week, I've put so many notes down that I just had, the, the Lord told me just, you know, that, that nice little black notebook that I carry with all, all my notes in it. He said, I got to leave that at home. So we're going to just, because uh, all I'm hearing in my spirit is fight the good fight of faith. Which I think is, on the surface, sounds funny. Because, well, wait a minute, Pastor, you're talking about how faith is a rest. So now I'm going to tell you how to fight the good fight of faith. See, the good fight of faith is to stay at rest. We're not fighting Satan. He's already defeated. We use our authority on him. We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and we resist him with the word and he flees. But here's the thing. The whole world system is designed to get you to get your eyes off Jesus and onto your circumstances because Satan knows he can't stop the Word of God from producing unless you let go of it. Right? So, so he wants that fight of faith is for you and I to stay at rest, to cease from our own works and now only work out what he's working in. Remember, we said this. We make a decision to put the Word of God above everything else in our life. See, when the Word holds a higher position than your circumstance, your circumstance will never move you again. It's when we take our eyes off the word and it does this, now all of a sudden our circumstance is moving us and the word isn't anymore. So, so we have to learn how to always stay like this and, there, and it's clearly laid out in scripture. Fight the good fight of faith. So turn over in your Bible. Turn to 2 Timothy. 
2 Timothy chapter 3. We're just going to launch there. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We thank the mighty Holy Spirit so much for utterance today in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He is the teacher. He brings revelation, knowledge of the Word of God. There's an anointing upon the Word of God today to lift burdens off of you, to destroy yokes of bondage. There's a, once again, man, there's been, there's just been a strong healing anointing in this place. It's all over me. It's just in this place. It's, it's like, it's, it's like I'm sensing, it's just like a wave. It's just, it's just, it's just flowing through the, through the aisles of the church. So if you, if you, if you need something in your body today, receive that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter three, look at verse one. This gives us a picture. Now, the last days started when the church age started. It started when Jesus came out of the grave, right? And now here we are in the last days. That word last days in the Greek, it means the final days. And now that was, that was almost 2,000 years ago. But now we know we're at the last of the last days. So look at what it says about our time. This know also in the last days, the final days, perilous times shall come. Perilous times. We live in perilous times. What does that mean? That word perilous in the Greek literally means dangerous and difficult times that are designed to weaken you, to weaken your strength. We live in a time when Satan is working more than ever before behind the scenes to weaken people. So we have to be strong, fight the good fight of faith. So perilous times will come. Well, what will it look like? For men shall be lovers of their own selves. So self-centeredness, which is the very nature of the enemy. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Wow. Traitors, heady, high-minded, high-minded. Well, we have a lot of that, right? People, what that word in the Greek means is people that rely on their own intellect. Where the Bible says, no, no, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean, don't rely on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and then He will direct your paths. But in the last days, people will rely on their own intellect. They'll be high-minded. Here's a big one. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. I'm so thankful that's not us. Right? It says here, having a form. Now, you know, on the surface, you start to, you look at this and go, oh my gosh, well, that's just talking about the world. But, But all of a sudden, you're going, wait a minute here. Having a form of godliness? But denying the power, that's the dunamis. That's a Holy Spirit word. But denying the power therein. 
Man, we don't want to have, you know, thank God we don't have a form of godliness here. Right? We flow out of the overflow of our personal walk with God. Man, I, I, get out of the, I get out of my car walking into this place on a Sunday morning and I could sense the hunger. You know, I start tearing up. I, I, I hear the worship team just practicing. Well, you know, they, actually, they don't practice. They stir. I think you guys just come and stir, right? You just stir and you get all stirred up. And man, you know, you, you just wonder if they're ever going to be able to stand on the stage and not just take off running. You know, if the Lord tarries, the next stage we have, you, you know the next sanctuary we have will be built around the stage. And we were, we're going to have plenty of room here. Man, it'll be awesome. But until then, we're going to wear this one out. Amen. And we'll probably keep using it, right? Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Well, why turn away? Man, I'm telling you, you go to a place where they don't acknowledge the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you better run from that place, right? Because, you know, we have an order to service. The Holy Spirit's excellent. The Holy Spirit, contrary to, you know, some Star Trek Christians that boldly go where nobody's gone before, you know, the Holy Spirit's not weird at all. No. Right? He loves order. But he might redefine your order, right? Because he loves to get you out of the boat. But here's what he does in our life. He turns our life right side up. Sometimes we think, man, you're turning my life upside down. No, 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 no. It's already upside down. We need him to turn it right side up, right? So it goes on to say here in verse 7, this is a big one. Ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And this word knowledge is the full discernment. That's what that Greek word means, of the truth. Well, you know how you come to full discernment of the truth? You need the Holy Spirit, yep. right? That's right? Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So then if you jump over to, right, you're right in 2 Timothy 3, go to chapter 4 in verse 1, look at what, Look at what Paul says to a young pastor, Timothy. 2 Timothy 4.1, I charge thee therefore before God. Wow. He's talking to literally like a son of his. Timothy, Paul is his father in the faith. And he says, I charge you. I mean, this is, this is a big thing. Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead. He'll judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. What does he say? What does he charge him to do? Preach the word. Now, that sounds silly because what else would you preach? But you know, many people will get up and they'll preach politics. And, and they'll preach exercise, and health. They'll preach religion. Yeah. Right? That's right. They do. So, but what is, what, is, what is he telling? I'm charging you, preach the word. Well, he wouldn't charge him if it was just going to be the easiest thing to do. 
But I'm telling you, you got to preach the word. And when you make a decision to preach the word, you know, and, and we're not just talking about just a pastor or a teacher or a minister that's, that's in the fivefold ministry, because see, all of us as children of God are full -time, in full-time ministry. Right. You're all ministers of the gospel, and you're to go out and proclaim the word of God. It says here, it says here, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. That means be ready when it's going to be popular and be ready when it's not going to be popular, right? Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Why? For the time will come when they shall not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Look at this, verse 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. I'm telling you, the minute you turn away from the truth, you are no longer in faith. And look at what they turn to and shall be turned unto fables. Do you know we get, from this Greek word, we get our word mythology from it. You could say a myth, a fable, a, a fiction story that was conjured up by a person's mind. I don't care how dynamic the speaker. It might be the coolest story you've ever heard. But does it line up with truth? Is there truth in it? Are you listening to sermons? Are you reading books that are filled with God's Word? Because if you're not, wow. It's going to be really hard for you to be at rest. Because you won't be walking by faith, you'll be walking by sight. Right? So we have to be real, real careful with this. If you go down in verse 7, look at what Paul says now. Now this is in 2 Timothy. So in this passage of Scripture, it's real interesting. Let's follow this. Paul says this. Well, let's look at verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. So here's Paul. He's been walking with the Lord anywhere from different theologians have different thoughts. If you look at the timeline, it would be at least 30 years, probably closer to 40 years. He knew how to fight the good fight of faith. And he said, listen, the time of, I love the way he said it, the time of my departure. See, the, the earth is the biggest intergalactic airport in the universe right there's arrivals every day right do you know there's about 300,000 arrivals every day people being born there's departures every day about 155,000 right around there every day but Paul's saying hey the time of my departure is at hand I, and look at what he says. This is what we're all going to say. See, you'll come to a place in your life where you'll say this. I have fought a good fight. 
I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Wow. See, if you're going to hang on to the Word of God, if you're going to stay in a place where you're working out what God's working in, if you're going to keep your eyes on Jesus, you're going to have to be willing to fight. What I mean by that is when a circumstance or, or whether it's a person, whether it's a circumstance, whether it's the economy, no matter what it is, comes contrary to the word of God, that puts me in fight mode. I will not be moved by that. And so now, now we don't fight, you know, flesh and blood fights with kicks and punches and different holds. Do you know what that's called, really? That's just weak. God doesn't fight that way. Revelation 1.16, Revelation 2.16, we see clearly that God fights by speaking his word. How do you and I fight? By speaking the word of God. Do you know you could cause everything in your life to come back into balance right where it's supposed to be with your mouth? And this is what we're talking about. The walk of faith is a rest. The rest is to cease from your own works. And that's going to be a fight. Right? Paul said, I beat my body black and blue. Continually. Your flesh is always, it's always wanting to feel something. It's always wanting to see something before you believe it. And no, no, no. We believe because God said it. And because God said it, we know we'll see it because we already have it. So it says, verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Isn't that amazing? There's a crown of righteousness waiting for you. Wow. This life, listen, don't fear death. If the Lord tarries just a little bit, we're all going to pass from this world. But death, I've, I've got I to gotta clue you in on death. Come on. It's not something to fear. Because it doesn't mean your life ceases. This is all about transition. This is all about promotion. Death, when you step out of this unredeemed body... When your spirit steps out of your body, it will be the most exhilarating feeling you've ever felt in your life. Followed by being in the presence face to face with Jesus. You go from one presence of God to face to face. That's going to be awesome. Right? So we don't fear that. But also, we stand and we're not leaving a minute early. Right? We're not leaving a minute early. Sickness and disease is not going to take us out. Right? No way. Because He, all my trust is in Him. So let's go over to this scripture that we're talking about. Let's go over to 1 Timothy chapter 6 because we want to we look at how to fight the good fight of faith. It's real interesting what it says because it, it says something right in there that's amazing. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12 it says, fight the good fight. It's a good fight because you're fighting a fight you always win. It's a good fight. 
fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. So fighting the good fight of faith is all about laying hold of something. Do you see that? Lay hold of eternal life. Well, what is eternal life? Lay hold of knowing God. John 17, what, 3? Says eternal life is knowing God the Father and His Son Jesus whom He sent. Right? Well, what about the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit never talks about, talks about Himself, does He? He always testifies of Jesus. But He's just as much God as all of them. It's really amazing how that the Trinity, they all submit to each other. Jesus only says what he hears his Father say. The Holy Spirit only says what he hears Jesus say. God the Father is the one. He stays in his lane. I come up with the plan. Jesus is the one. I, I, I walk and carry out the plan. And then the Holy Spirit, hey, this is my job. I'm going to reveal the plan to everybody. Right? So, so this is, we want to lay hold of eternal life. And know this. If you have to fight the good fight of faith to lay hold on eternal life, that tells me that there's going to be some opposition. The enemy's going to come. Well, how does he come? Does he kick your door down and overpower you? No, 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 no. He's been stripped. He's deceiving. He is our adversary. Antideicus, that's a noun. That's who he is. He's the one who is violently opposed to righteousness. He's our adversary, the devil. Devil. That is his job description. Diabolos is the Greek word. Dia. It means to penetrate through to the other side of something. How do you do it? By abolos, by, by throwing something, blow after blow after blow after blow. We see that the enemy comes. It says in another place, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. The word devices, noemata, it means mind schemes and mind games. It means the scrambling of the mind. The battlefield is in your mind. And Satan will throw thought after thought after thought after thought to try to penetrate your mind. So this is why we stand up full of the word of God and we take these thoughts captive. We use the weapons of our warfare and take these thoughts captive with the word of God. We walk around like Jesus did when he was tempted of the devil. It is written, it is written, it is written. Is that right? So this is, this is how he works. So now, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Notice the fight, it's the fight of faith. It's not the fight of knowledge. It's the fight of faith. Right? we got to keep our eye on what the fight is. Oh, Satan will tell you you don't know enough to be healed. Come on, preach it. But it's not what you know. It's who you know. Hello. Right? That's right? He'll tell you that the way your financial life is right now, it always has to be that way. And that's just a lie. Because prosperity is not money. It's who you know. It says here, now, it says, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you are called, also called, and hast, look at what it says right away, and hast professed a good profession 
before many witnesses. Hmm. So right after it talks about the fight of faith, it uses the word profession and professed. In the Greek language, it means confession. As thou, and, and hast confessed a good confession before many witnesses. It literally is the Greek word homo logeo, which means to say the same thing. Well, to say the same thing as who? As God. So Jesus only did what he saw his father do, said only what he heard his father say. The Holy Spirit only speaks of Jesus. You and I are only to speak what the word of God says. That's the way we live. And the power of life and death is in the power of our tongue. There's a Bible principle from all the way from Old Testament all the way into the New Testament is you will have what you say. So you've got to get your mouth right. How do you fight the good fight of faith? It's by speaking the word of God. So I want you guys to see this in the Amplified because I want it to be very loud to you. Hallelujah. It says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of the eternal life to which you were summoned and for which you confessed the good confession of faith before many witnesses. I love the way the Amplified puts that. Now, going back to the King James, look at verse 13, and it gives us some more insight into this. It says, I give thee charge in the sight of God, this is 1 Timothy 6.13, who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, and now it says this, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Now I believe if we have time, we're going to look at that example. Because there is an example in John chapter 18 and John chapter 19 that shows an example from the master of a good confession. And we're going to look at that. But before we do, I want you to, you know, we mentioned this during worship when I first got up here, but I want you to set your eyes on this. Go to 1 John chapter 5 in verse 4. So keep this in mind. We're fighting the good fight of faith. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. You guys doing okay? Yes. This is good stuff. Yes, it is. Beautiful. God's word is full of life and power. Amen. It's active and effective, isn't it? It says here, 1 John 5, 4, for, it says for whatsoever, but it's the Greek word pas. It means whosoever is born of God overcometh this, this word overcometh, it literally means, as we said earlier, it means to subdue and to conquer the world, the, in, liter, in the literal Greek, the world system. Whosoever is born of God subdues and conquers the world system. Do you ever feel beaten up by the world system? You don't ever have to be. We are to subdue and dominate it. So money should never stop a believer. I heard one of my teachers at Ramah say this. He, he would say this all the time. Boy, I wish I would have heard it back then. 
He said, if you're being led by money, you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Because we have access to everything. Not only that, everything has already been provided for us. So it's no longer a matter of me begging God to do something for me. No, it's a matter of me receiving it, laying hold of it. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. So let's keep going with this. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that subdue and conquers the world system. It's even our faith. Our faith, fighting the good fight of faith. Immediately we're talking about believing in our heart, confessing with our mouth. Let's look at that. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Or I'm sorry, Romans chapter 10. <clears throat> we'll, look, we'll start in verse... Actually, let's start in verse 6. Romans chapter 10... It talks about the righteousness which is of faith. Romans chapter 10 in verse 6. Hallelujah. In Romans 10, 6 it says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, or in other words, speaks this way. You and I have been made the righteousness of Almighty God. How? We simply believed it. We, we, we literally were made the righteousness of Almighty God through faith. That's good. Yep. We didn't have to work for it. We didn't earn it. That's right? Good. We were made righteous. Well, how does, now that we've been made righteous through faith, how do we speak? This is what it's going to tell us. So it, it, it immediately talks about it. It quotes an Old Testament scripture. It says how we don't speak. But let's jump to verse 8 for time. It says, but what saith it? This is verse 8. Or in other words, what does the righteousness which is of faith say? It says, this is what it says. The word of God is what? Is near me. Isn't that awesome? Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. The word is always, it's always with you. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Oh, I've been made fun of by being one of those word of faith preachers. And you know, some, of, some word of faith preachers have given some pretty good ammunition on why people could make fun of us, right? I remember when I was going to go to Rama, we were at a garage sale right before we left. Remember that? And I was talking to this lady. You can imagine me just talking to people, right? And, uh, and she, you know, I told her, yeah, we're, we're moving. We're going to Bible school. Oh, where are you going? She's all happy. You know, she's a Christian. Oh, I'm going, I'm going to Oklahoma to this place called Rama Bible Training Center. Good feeling gone. <laughs> oh, you better not go there. They'll brainwash you. I looked at her and I smiled. I said, ma'am, I need a good brainwashing. <laughs> to be honest with you, man, I want my brainwashed all the time. It's just the word of God coming out of my heart, just washing over. But you know, Paul was a word of faith preacher. But we know what word of faith means. It's not a camp, right? 
We're not Haganites or Copelandites, right? We, we, we're, we're Jesusites. And, and so the word of faith, it just simply means, Paul, Paul preached the word of faith. He believed if he preached the word of God, it would produce faith in the hearers. That's all the word of faith is, right? So the word of faith which we preach. Wow. That if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that if you'll confess, Jesus, you are Lord of all and my Lord. If you'll do that and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And here it is, verse 10. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation, saying the same thing. So we see we have to keep God's word in abundance in our heart and always coming out of our mouth. That is how you stay at rest. That's how you fight the good fight of faith. That's how you walk by faith. That's how you live by faith. That's how you please God, right? So let's look at this example of Jesus because because I got to tell you, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I'm going to send you. I'd love to tell you that once you become a Christian, man, you know, you'll never have anything come against you. But there's a problem with that. As long as we're on the earth. Listen, there's going to be winds. There's going to be storms. There's going to be floods. There's going to be, what, Goliaths? There's going to be lion's dens. There's going to be fiery furnaces. There's going to be a Red Sea on one side and the Egyptian army on the other side coming to take you out. All of it, but you have literally already won in Christ because he won it for you. So all of that amounts to nothing. Everything the enemy can do amounts to nothing compared to who you are in Christ. So go to John chapter 18. Let's look at this example of Jesus. John chapter 18. Let me look at where I want to start here. Let's actually start in verse 33, just for time's sake. So this is about Jesus going before Pilate right before he's crucified, okay? Because this, now think about 1 Timothy 6.12, this is the example that Paul gives for that scripture of fighting the good fight of faith. He goes directly to Jesus and he's going to tell, he's going to give us a perfect example. So here is Jesus. He's facing this man called Pilate. Who was Pilate? He was the governor of Judea. He was a Roman, right, soldier. History tells us, along with Bible, other Bible scriptures, that this guy, he had the power of life and death in his hand. He could, he could crucify you, put you to death, or let you go. And he was a killer. Didn't value life. You know, it, it talks about, in the Word of God, at one point, he goes... And he slaughters all these Jewish people who were sacrificing animals. 
according to the Mosaic law. And then he took all their blood and mingled it with the blood of the animals just to show you don't mess with me. He has the power of life and death and Jesus is standing before him. Do you know if you've ever been diagnosed with something that has no cure, that's your pilot. And this is how you fight the good fight of faith. So we want, let's pay attention to this for a second. Verse 33, then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again. And what did he do? He called Jesus and said unto him, are you king of the Jews? Jesus answered him. Now, now look at this. This is a guy, he walks into the judgment hall. I mean, he is the man. And here's Jesus, and he's like, the first thing he says, are you king of the Jews? Because if you say you're the king, you're coming against Rome, you're history. Look at what Jesus, you see no fear. Jesus answered him, do you say this thing of yourself? Or does, did others tell it to you about me? So, listen, this is Pilate. He wants a yes or no answer, and he wants a yes sir, no sir, because he could kill you. But I've got a little, I got a little part of this story you got to know. Jesus endured crucifixion, right? Because he already crucified his flesh in the Garden of Gethsemane. So he was all in. Just like you and I, we are all in. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus died on that cross, I was crucified with him, Romans says. I was buried with him. I was raised to newness of life. And now... I have the authority in the name of Jesus. As the Father sent Jesus, now Jesus has sent me. He's done the same for you. We are walking dead. You can't, you, you, you can't kill me. Oh, this flesh. But guess what? Ha, ha, ha. Even if you destroy this flesh, you know, God, he's going to come back. I'm going to be with him. And then we're going to come back and get the same body. But it's going to look a lot better. Right? We're all going to look, the first thing we're going to say to each other is, wow, wow you, look you look really good. good. Yes, you do. Right? So let's, let's look at this. Did you, did you say this on your own or did somebody else tell you this? Pilate answered. You could tell by the wording he was not happy. Am I a Jew? Which he hated Jews. Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you unto me. And what, what have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Now look at this. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from here. Pilate therefore said unto him again, 
Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. You could just, you could just, I could just feel Pilate going, I didn't call you a king. Who do you think you are? Right? But Jesus didn't think he was anything. He knew who he was. This is, do you see how you're to stand against everything that comes against you? Depression? You have no power over me. Fear? you got to leave my life. Anxiety? No. Cancer? Arthritis? Diabetes? I don't care what it is. You have no power over me. I have the name of Jesus, and God is back in everything in my life. So he says, you say that I'm a king? To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. And you could just see Pilate. What is truth? The next verse. What is truth? And then he leaves. So, Pilate now, chapter 19, I'm just going to read it for time's sake. I want to get the full picture here. Then Pilate, uh, John 19, 1, therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Now, they didn't scourge people when they crucified him because many times people would die of the scourging. Pilate did not want to crucify Jesus, so he figured, I could beat this guy and just he'd be a bloody mess and maybe that'd be enough for these people. Right? And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Have you ever had a bandage on you when you were bleeding and then you had to take it off? Ouch. Could you imagine? See, Isaiah, it it says, and with his bruise we are healed. The, The word stripes literally is a singular word because but it would have had to be a, a, a Hebrew and Greek, both theologian or, or you know, somebody who really knows the language, says in order, they would have had to use a plural word if you could see one, one mark from another. Jesus' whole body was ripped open, just bleeding. When they put the crown of thorns on his head, they say his head would have swelled up tremendously. Right? So they have this robe on. I mean, he's beaten. He's hurting, Right? And then it says in verse 3, And they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. Now i got to tell you, a Roman soldier, have you ever, if you've ever been punched by somebody who's a boxer or who's like a martial artist who knows how to punch, it's different than somebody who doesn't know how to punch. So this was big time. They're, They're just taunting Jesus. So, Pilate therefore went, he went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Notice Jesus is not moving in this interaction. Pilate's kind of moving. That's exactly what happens when you stand and fight the good fight of faith. The enemy starts freaking out. 
Because he's if he can't separate you from the word, the word will produce. So you got to understand what you're facing right now. Your feelings may be telling you, man, this is a lot bigger than me and all this stuff. Get your eyes off of that. Get your eyes on Jesus because when you're in faith, you compare what you're facing to your God. When you're not in faith, you, you compare everything to who you are. And you'll always get in a battle that's bigger than you. But it's never bigger than him. Right? So here we go. Verse 5, Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests came therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid. Isn't it interesting, as we go through this interaction, Jesus is bold, who he's facing in the natural seems much more powerful than him. It seems in the natural like this man has all the power of life and death, but he's the one that's afraid. Verse 9, and went again into the judgment hall and said, in, and said unto Jesus, Whence art thou? Wow. Thank goodness for the King James, right? <laughs> Basically what he's saying is, where are you from? Jesus gave him no answer. So you could see this. Look at verse 10. Then said Pilate unto him, you're not going to speak to me? He's not used to asking a question and having somebody completely ignore him. Right? Notice Pilate could never get Jesus to move down onto his level because Jesus knew who he was. And this is why God wants you to know who you are in Christ. So he's, he says to him, you're not going to speak to me? Don't you know that I have the power to crucify you and have the power to release you? Now I want you to see this. Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me except it were given you from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto you has a greater sin. So here's Pilate. At the end of this, he says, you have no power over me except it be given to you. Well, I got news for you today. You are never going to be on trial, right? That God is going to give your enemy power to take you out because Jesus already laid down his life. He bore your sickness, <clears throat> you don't have to. He bore depression. So you need to walk around saying depression, anxiety, fear, poverty, lack, sickness, disease, you have no power over me. That's Bible, right? So this is the example. Isn't that amazing? 
He stood his ground. Let's look at a scripture in the Old Testament. Go back to Hosea. Go back to Hosea. I want you to, I want you to see something here. Hosea chapter 4. It's right after Daniel. It's on page 1167. If that helps you, praise God. That's awesome. Probably not. But look at what it says here. It says in Hosea 4, 6, the first, I just want you to see literally the first eight words of this verse. The rest is talking about the context of it. But he he says something real powerful here. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Isaiah says that my people are taken captive for a lack of knowledge. This word destroyed in the Hebrew language means, this is what this word means. Destroyed means that you are silenced and then cut off. You're a child of God. How you fight the good fight of faith is with your mouth. The enemy will try to silence you. Have you ever noticed sometimes how it's just, you want to say things and you just don't? Have you, ever, have you ever done this or is it just me where you're laying in bed, you wake up, you got a headache and you're laying there and you're thinking all this stuff. Should I take, you know, take some Advil? Should I drink some water? Maybe I'm dehydrated. And, and you're like, and down on the inside, it's like, excuse me, right? Why don't you speak to that thing? But see, when you get full of the word, that'll be your first. There's opposition. We're destroyed. We're silenced and then cut off. How? For a lack of knowledge. This word knowledge literally would be accurately, accurately, it's like 90 different times or 91 times in the Old Testament. It literally means discernment. In other words, knowledge that's revealed by the Holy Spirit. You're you're silenced and you're cut off because there's no revelation knowledge of God's word. But if you will stay submitted to the word, you will walk in a constant stream of revelation of every scripture that you need so that you're never silenced and so that you're standing there going, listen, whatever you're facing, you have no power over me. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I command you to take your hands off my life. You are defeated. By his stripes I'm healed. Whatever. Poverty and lack. You See, here's the reality of poverty and lack. It will never stop messing with you until you mess with it. But you could mess with it in the name of Jesus. This is a huge thing. So now, you're over here in uh, Hosea. Just go, just go left to Daniel and go to chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11. Look at verse 32. Since we dealt with the first half of Hosea, let's deal with the last half of Daniel 11.32. It says this, at the end of verse 32, it says, but the people that do know their God 
that do know their God. This means, this word know, means you know someone so intimately that things, that something is being conceived in you and subsequently birthed out of you. I know God so well that it's, the, my relationship is so intimate that there are things that he's conceiving in me and birthing out of me. Those that know their God will be strong. This word strong literally in the Hebrew means courageous enough to seize hold of something. It's the same word where it says in Mark 11, believe that you receive and you shall have. Believe that you take it, seize hold of it and you'll have it. They that know their God will be strong, will be courageous enough to seize hold of something and do exploits. The Hebrew word exploits means you will do things beyond your natural ability. Wow, isn't that good news? So now go left a little bit more. Go to Jeremiah chapter 17. It's right after Isaiah. Jeremiah chapter 17 Look at verse 5, because I want you to see a picture. We're kind of going in and out here. This is an Old Testament picture of somebody who is blessed versus somebody who is cursed. In Jeremiah 17, 5, it says, Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man. Now, this word cursed literally means to be empowered to fail. Does any of you want to be empowered to fail? No thanks. Not, I'm not going to sign up for that class. Right? Cursed is the man that does what? That trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. In other words, you're going to be empowered to fail if you're trusting in yourself. Right? And whose heart departs from the Lord. Oh, that sounds a lot like Hebrews 4, doesn't it, that we've been going through. They had an evil heart of unbelief, the children of Israel, in, in departing from the living God. Why? Because they didn't mix faith with the gospel that they heard. That's why they couldn't enter in. So it says here, for he shall be, this man who's cursed, shall be like, now this is a simile, okay? A person who trusts in himself and who walks in a curse is going to be like a heath in the desert. This word heath, it, it literally is talking about a juniper bush. It's a desert bush. It grows in a very isolated area. It's destitute. It says if you trust in yourself, this is what you're going to be like, something who is destitute. Right? And, and shall not see when good comes. Doesn't matter if ten good things happen to you, all you're going to see is the negative. The cup is always half empty. It's always, you know, man, I, I just, 
this, this place where I'm working, my boss, my coworkers, I'm going to go over here. And then you get over here, and my boss and my coworkers and this, and, and then I go over here. People do the same thing with churches. Sometimes people do the same thing with spouses. And the problem many times is because you're trusting in yourself, you're blind. And, and here's the problem. Wherever you go, that's where you are. Now, I, 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 it's sad that I have to tell you this, but... Where I first heard that was from the Lord. Tony, your problem is wherever you're going, that's where you are. Why don't you stop looking at all this other stuff and why don't you just get over yourself? Hello. That's good. Right? Man, I could really grow spiritually if that pastor or if I, I need to go to another church to go into the deeper things of God. Be careful. Be careful, because you don't want to be like a heath in the desert, right? So here we go. It says here, doesn't see where good, when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. That doesn't sound fun, right? What is the parched places in the wilderness? It's a place where a lack of water keeps things from growing. You don't want to be in a place where, there, where you can't grow. Wow. What is that place? You know what the parched place in the desert is, according to Scripture? It's the place where you trust yourself. Don't trust yourself. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know how awesome I am. Oh, I believe you're awesome. But brother, wow. Right? Right? So then it says this, in a salt land and not inhabited. A salt land, how would you like to plant? Right? Do you want a place where you're trusting in yourself? You're planting stuff, but that ground is salt. And it's not inhabited. But then it says, blessed is the man. That means empowered to prosper. Blessed. Well, you know, let me, let me break down this word cursed. This word cursed is really interesting. Um, it's a verb. I have it written in my Bible here. It means to inflict with a curse. It literally means to bind with a spell. It means to hem in with obstacles. Have you ever tried to figure something out? And the more you try to figure it out, the more you feel like you're bound. It's exactly what this is talking about. And here's the result of all of this, this word cursed, is it renders the individual powerless to resist. Wow. But I don't want to leave you in the cursed land. Let's keep going to finish this up. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by waters that spreads out her roots by the river. Hmm. I'm going to be like a tree planted by waters, and I'm going to spread out my roots by the river. So now my provision... My substance is not coming from without. 
It's coming from within. Right? Look at this. When you're in that place, you shall not see when heat comes. Notice it doesn't say you won't see if heat comes. It says when. Oh, Satan's going to turn the heat up in your life. And those little principalities and powers that are, that are assigned against you are going to be looking at you. Because remember, you can tell if a person's in faith. Remember how the New Testament says joy and peace in believing? Oh, when you're believing, guess what? You're walking in joy, you're walking in peace. And it's not from the outside, it's from the inside. Sometimes you're kind of sitting there going, I really probably should be freaked out about this, but I'm just, I can't even stir that up in me. Right? Because why? We already know. It says here, you'll be planted. Your roots are going to bring out, go by the river. You shall not see when heat comes. Her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. See, circumstances, when a drought comes, you get excited as a Christian. Because you're like, oh my gosh. Isaac obeyed God, and God gave him a hundredfold return in a year of drought. Right? And God's no respecter of persons. In ministry, so many times, people, man, they'll tell you all about, you know, yeah, it's just so hard. You know, God's really called me to a dark place. I'm like, well, of course he did, but guess what? You're light. So when you got there, it's no longer dark. Oh, it might feel dark. It might look dark. It might smell dark. It might taste dark, but it's not dark because you're there. And guess what? What Really, see, the fact that you're there, guess who else is there? Jesus is there. All of heaven is behind you. So you come to rid that dark place of darkness and you're bringing light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Wow. Doesn't that sound a lot like Psalm 1-3? You know, I delight in the law of the Lord. I delight in His Word. And in His Word, I meditate day and night. And I'll be like a river or like a tree planted by rivers of water. More than enough provision right? Whose leaf will not wither? Who will yield? It even goes further into it. All of my fruit in my season and whatever I do will be brought to maturity. Guys, it is not some win, some lose. No, no, no. We've already won, so we win. So rejoice, because the God of heaven is a God that stands at the beginning of something and tells the end. And he's already spoken all your life, you already win, so all you got to do is be willing and obedient and you'll eat the good of that land. Every problem in your life, I love, I think R.W. Shambach said this, he said, you don't have any problems, all you need is faith in God. 